the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Ready. AV. AV Week. Performing. Scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, episode 193, Musk Recycles Sexy Back, recorded May 1st, 2015. And welcome to another edition of AV Week, your source for news and information in the AV integration world. I'm your host, George Tucker. It's obvious I'm not Tim Albright. He is away today, so we are running the show. We'll see what happens. Joining me today on a very special show, we're going to start a new segment is, of course, Chris Netto. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How are you? How's everything? Uh, all right, all right. A little bit of a panic today. It's a busy season for everybody, it seems. So, All the world's crazy, it seems, at this time of the year. And it all congregates on New York and New Jersey. It does. It does. <laughs> they don't say it's the center of the world for nothing with that little New York Times cover, I'm telling you. Uh, also joining us today is my good friend, Andrew Worshburn. Born. How are you, sir? You are from Video Installation Plus out of... Hartsdale. I'm doing well, George, and you almost got my name right that time. Uh, I'm well known for not being able to do it. I can do uh, calculus, I can do mathematical equations, I can say somebody's name. Uh, nobody gets my name right, it's all good. Oh good, I'm amongst good company. Andrew's also only a stone's throw for me, and I still couldn't make it to his house yesterday <laughs> to talk about some stuff because the GW Bridge was, well, expletive deleted. Was the GW Bridge. Yeah. Lordy lordy, I tell ya. And joining us, of course, for the first time today, whose name I have practiced, is Andrea Medeiros. She is editor at Tech Home yes. Builder. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right. And Andrea is here also for a new segment, as I mentioned. We'll do that at the end, and we'll have some exciting stuff on that. All right. To our first story, Andrew, from the people at Engadget. First utility tempts new customers with free smart thermostats. So my question to you is, is this what we've been fearing, the sort of the utilities coming in and trying to be integrators? I don't know if it's that or if it's just everybody is trying to get a smart thermostat in there. Everybody's thinking green and trying to get the you know, energy savings down and do better. I know that a lot of the companies that have tried to come in and be integrators have failed miserably and canceled. I see it as just yet another smart thermostat. There's only, you know, about a Brazilian of them on the market now. And just another one that's coming in and another utility that's like here instead of using the typical dumb thermostat that we've had forever, here's one that hooks up to your smartphone and they'll probably monitor the data or something somehow. Well, it's all about data, right? And we'll get to yeah. that in a little bit. Uh, Chris, to that point, though, the security companies were very uh, not happy with installation integration guys because they started to lose sales to the keypad. So they don't make money, right, just on the services and the fees, but the installation and the added keypads and other wall mount wall warts that they want to put up. We took that away from them in some ways, and they were not too happy about it. I'll ask the question again to you. Do you think we are potentially facing that? Um, when it comes to this particular article, mm, no. I mean, you talk, you, you, you're talking about what what Andrew just refers to as, you know, it's this new attitude that's going on where, you know, if XYZ company can offer you the free thermostat, well, I'm going to offer you one, and it's going to be connected to your, your smartphone. And that makes you high-tech. How does that feel, Mr. Customer? You want to be high-tech, you need one of these high-tech things. I mean, everybody wants to do that. Everybody wants an app that does that. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, the idea that you could just pick this off-the-shelf product, bring it into a home, and 
call that integration, that's BS first. Second of all, that is just, you know, it, 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 it's sort of going down the road of where the media is taking this. Uh, all the information that's coming out of all the all the electronic shows, the, oh my God, smart homes are here. Smart homes are, are, are a thing in the future. It's the way of the future. And, and everybody wants to get in on it because that's all they see getting pelted, you know, in their feeds. If they do any type of technology work, that's all they hear about. So, you know, this is just a knee-jerk reaction to here, here is your free blender, you know, except we've advanced that now to here's your free smart home, you know, starter kit, you know, I don't think integrators have anything to worry about because, again, that is a device that sits on a countertop and is basically just feeding and giving metrics back to a company that's found a way to do it and make it seem cool to the customer, you know, through a thermostat. Um, I do not feel that it's, you know, in any way, shape, or form ever going to replace the guy who's going to come in and completely integrate the house for uh, a, 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 bigger, um, a bigger system or a bigger plan in place. You know, that little thing sitting there is not is not the be all end all. So integrators don't worry. Well, Andrew, let me bring this back to you for just a moment before sure. we get Andrew. What about the idea that a lot of these products are rebranded from say Nest or other guys? So does the question of it being somewhat of a Trojan horse still sound somewhat valid in this case, or is Chris right? It really is just a plaything that will go and have a very minor place in the market. I don't think it's going to have a minor place. I think soon everybody's going to have something like this, but whether it's rebranded, it's their own OEM, it's their own new thing, these are all going to exist, and soon it's going to be the base standard. But there's still going to be us out there getting you know the real toys, the real integrated stuff in there that really communicates with everything. The Nest, the uh, First National that's giving this away, or whatever, all the others, they're, they're going to be the baseline. It's like, oh, I need a thermostat. Instead of that old dial Honeywell that everybody had or has, it's going to be this now. It's going to be just the standard. And you know what? Guys like us, we're either going to go in and be able to be like, okay, you've got that, fine, it works with our system, or, okay, you've got that, we can take that off the wall, put a little sensor there, make it look prettier, hide a real integrated thermostat in the back. I don't see it as a danger to us. I think maybe more of this stuff coming into the homes is actually an advantage. Hmm. You know, I just had the sudden thought about hipsters sort of pining for Mercury switch days of like that's the real thesis <laughs> or something. I don't know why it just suddenly came to me. Maybe because record day was only a week and a half ago. Right. But, uh, I finally I suddenly had that, you know, maybe the millennials or maybe not the millennials, but my kids will <laughs> grow up and go, Oh, that Mercury switch man, it's just that solid, you know, I don't know. Well Andrea <laughs> Then I'm out of business. Help help me out with this. Home builders, tech home builder is it an advantage or a disadvantage for the contractor to have the utility providing it or bringing in, say, a partner to do the full thing? Does it really matter to the contractor or is it all just a good sale? I think it depends what type of builder you're talking to, whether it's a production builder, a luxury builder, a custom home builder. But I completely agree with Andrew. The more of these thermostats that go on the market, the more overwhelmed these builders are. Because keep in mind, we go to a show like the International Builders Show, there are so many different companies now pitching their thermostat and why it's better than the other. So these builders become completely overwhelmed over which one to pick and which one works, which one doesn't work. And then as these thermostats, as their customers start to have problems with them and they're on the hook for that, they're going to learn more and more that they want to have an integrator in there helping them out, dealing with those technical problems because if you just pick up a thermostat and install it in the home and there's an issue, it's a bigger problem down the line with the customer. Can I just uh, respond yeah. on that? Jump in. My understanding is that's why a lot of the guys that were providing these smart home features actually got out of it is, yeah, they can throw it in and oh yeah, they make money on the service contract. 
but their guys have no idea how to handle the service. They have no idea how to troubleshoot or fix it when it does happen. So once something does break, they had no idea what to do, so they pretty much got out of it. Mm -hmm. I think uh, builders are learning more and more what to do with these products, but a lot of them are working with integrators hand-in-hand, -hand, bringing them in on the design level, and then it's kind of a seamless process. That's the route that a lot of at least luxury builders are going to at this point. All right, well, let's continue on a subject that's similar to this. I'm trying to thread it through. From our friends at Digital Trends, we have the seven sensors within... Ooh, I just did a bad thing. The seven sensors within the sensor might be enough to make your home brilliant. All right, on a similar vein, this is about in a startup company that says they have one sensor that connects to one hub that does it all. <laughs> all right? Chris, we've talked about this in the past. One sensor does it all. It's sort of the centralized versus distributed model, right? We all fight about this in programming. Do I have a centralized processor or them distributed all over the place? What are, you, what are your thoughts on being able to do that all from one little box? I doubt it. Repeat yeah. that. I doubt it. You want more than that? <laughs> I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. I hate the I, I hate all in ones to begin with, um, especially when they're claiming such a big thing. Um, there's no way, you know. I truth be told, this may be possible in their vision of it. But if you're gonna if you can tell me what those seven things are that they're monitoring, um, I could probably call BS on on at least five of those right off the bat. So I. You're asking the wrong guy. I'm not the only one person for this. Uh, sorry, George. I don't buy this one. <laughs> well, Andre, hey man, I, you asked me to come on this thing. When I do this, these shows, if if I don't agree, I'm not. I'm gonna flat out say I don't agree. I don't think that this company can with one product monitor seven things. So. so you're calling sort of pebblish on this, are you? Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Andrew, one of the features that they do promote on this is not only the opening and closing of the doors and being able to get that sort of sensor calibration, but about using it, say, for detecting water leaks. Now, this would be something I think that any contractor would want to put in, at least in the very beginning in the first year of, say, the warranty on the home, yes? Yeah, I mean, there are two facets to this. One facet is it's a fairly cheap product, and it can do a lot. So for a high-volume builder, it's kind of tempting. Like, Snap Power came out with a product. It was a Kickstarter. It has a USB in the plug. It's a simple product that these high-volume builders can kind of wrap their minds around, and it's easy to just install in a home and sell that to the customer as an added bonus to make the customers happy. But the other problem that comes with this is a lot of the builders have been burned already on products that haven't worked or companies that are just starting. So they're kind of worried that they're going to get burned again. So there's a certain fear out there. But the idea of a sensor is definitely appealing because the whole thing with builders now, what they're learning is that you know the, the world is going far beyond electronics now and a lot of people are worried about you know, their water quality, they're worried about leaks, they're worried about detecting a fire, and there are all these so-called technologies out there now that can detect that. And, you know, we talk to a lot of builders, and they're concerned about what moms want. You know, there are several articles out there that say moms make about 90% of the decisions in the home, and moms tend to care about those security and safety issues. So for the builder, things like these things seem to appeal to them. Hmm. George. Yeah. My response there, there's a reoccurring theme with the, the first two articles, and that is, uh, and, and Andrew nailing it on the head. From you know, I'm more on the commercial side than I'm on the residential side, but hearing the same theme is that the builders are looking for the easy, for the easy, for the easy. Easy is not always the best. Um, when you start talking about the bigger picture or the bigger plan for the smart home. Um, Yes, it's great to put a little device, to put a little sensor in here. And, you know, from, from the builder perspective, something that's easy to make a package and sell it, that's, that's great. Everybody wants to be able to do that, even on the commercial side to an extent. But what always tends, ha you know, tends to happen is you buy product A to do this, and then when you get that thing to finally do that, you realize that you need not just 
you know, A to be done, but I could really use B and C. And that's where the integration of what we do comes into play because most of the stuff that I work with or that we work with on, on the commercial side is not necessarily going to just do flavor A and that's it and you can't do anything else. There's always an addition or more of a, obviously because they call it custom integration, there's a customized piece to it that we can add. And I think that's where the line is being drawn with builders is that builders want to buy this product, put it in, you know, stamp it with a, here's your package price. If you want the next level, here's another package price. So you're either going to buy something that is like, and, and I'm just throwing numbers out, you're going to buy something that's $2,000 or you're going to buy something that's $10,000. And there's no in-between, and then you're going to find out with the $10,000 one that it doesn't, still doesn't do what you want because they're limited. So, yeah, it's, it, it's all going down that same path of it's a great introduction to what a custom install can do, it's great on our, it, it, you know, to, to an extent, it's great for integrators and, and, and custom home guys um, on, the, on the technology side. It's a great introductory piece to it. I mean, if you know the Nest, great. You can, it does X, Y, Z. But if you knew what the next step was, you probably want that more than the Nest. And yes, we could put it on your phone and your tablet. Uh, it's just that that's the talking piece that will lead to the next. And it's almost as if they have to take this, have it installed, let it fail, like I've seen in homes that have custom audio built into their house. You know, the, the builders were going out and buying, um, you know, speakers and these, you know, kits for uh, whole house audio. And then the, 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 excuse me, the homeowner would come in and it didn't, it, it didn't sound right or it didn't have enough bass or it wasn't the fidelity that they were looking for. Uh, so yeah, it's the same story, the intercoms, the, the whole house audio that we've been dealing with for years. That's sort of just right now not even brought up in conversations because it's not sexy enough at this point. Now it has to be smart. You know, um, Those things were failures too. And that led to people coming in and putting in the better sound systems, the audio um, systems. The, it it could have led to home theater uh, uh, media rooms because that whole thing. So that's my take on it. Well, let me let Andrea respond here because Andrea, I think your your phrase simple uh, is more than just what the word it, it denotes. In, of course. And when you think about builders, uh, there are so many different types of builders. And keep in mind, there are millennials buying their shorter $200,000 homes and they want tech. So some of these ideas are good for a builder like that who wants to put some tech in that $200,000 home when you can't put in, you know, full home audio and all of the things that can be integrated in. That's where I think these tools are really good for the builder. Andrew, let me ask you this then. Is it more of a case that the builders see, and as Andrea explained and then, you know, also qualified, that some builders may see that simple as very straightforward. It comes off a shelf, I put it in, you click it, it's done. Is there perhaps something in our integration community in relationships with builders, somewhat like us explaining 4K? We're not really explaining it simply enough. It's complicated a business to do, but perhaps we need to do a better job of making infographics on it to explain the process and whet the appetite? Well, let me explain this product to you simply, George. Um, this does everything that a NAPCO security panel does. You know, everybody knows what an alarm system does. It monitors broken windows, checks your door, checks windows opening. Uh, you can get your water leak sensors in there. And the funny thing is, the product was developed because of the battery on the smoke detector going off. And now they developed a product where you put half a dozen of these in your home, all that will sound when the battery dies. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But all they've done is taken that centralized security panel that everybody's familiar with, and all you have to do is say, alarm system, and they've decided to put it into little nodes that you stick wherever you want. And I think builders and everybody are familiar with alarm system. 
Well, yeah, it sounds like there's still some dialogue to go on between this and that, uh, as Chris said, there's not always, um, the simplest is not always the best or the straight end, but straightforward seems to make sales. So right. we can move it on to that. But there's another article that's related to this that I found this week. It is from the New York Times. It is censor-rich data scooping. Very interesting article uh, about the macro side of finding this data. They're talking about GE and others trying to find data not just for your home, but in a global city statewide sense. Uh, there were some articles about the building Internet of Things, the BIOT, a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, how they're sort of looking to do data sharing and energy buying and that kind of thing using this very deep data. Chris, I'm going to start off with you. We are more and more, as integrators, getting into the HVAC, the energy monitoring. That's all really big selling points for getting that gear in there in addition to making my lights pretty and having a nice keypad instead mm -hmm. of a light switch. Uh, how well can we integrate into this, and do we want to? The bigger, you mean the bigger picture of yeah. the smart city? So, I mean, you're, you do a number of commercial product, projects, right? Yes. So from a commercial aspect, beyond doing the huddle rooms, the boardrooms, and sort of the overall, you know, how are we doing with our energy, we can tap into this grid eventually. There's this deep data that you're now going to be part of, say, a buying group to understand and help maintain a good price for energy. Are we willing to do that, or is that something just too scary to conceive? <laughs> maybe right now in, 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 in the AV world where, where, where I play, maybe that is a uh, pie-in-the-sky dream. You know, um, we all want to talk about it. Uh, we all go to conferences. We all talk about, you know, the bigger picture of IoT and stuff like that. Um, but every time we go there, we always just drill it down right back to where we are comfortable. Well, I, I think it does come back to that, George, uh, the uncomfortableness of, you know, how do we explain this to a customer? Because when we are talking, we're typically talking to the customer sitting in front of us. And to talk that big of a picture is, it's, it, it's daunting. It's kind of scary, I guess, um, from a, you know, you, you want to, how do I put this? Because now I got a thousand things running through my head. The, the data that you're looking for is they're going to be. There's a lot of numbers there. Uh, you're talking of you know leaving the conference room out of the building into the whole space. Mm, that I don't know, man. That I, I don't know where we even begin those conversations because a lot of the times you know for me on my on what I do the customer's like you know let's get right down to where. This is. I mean, we've talked about integrated buildings at conferences and stuff like that. We think it's a great idea, but there are so many, you know, within it, within the integrated building or the com commercial building, there are so many pockets of the resistance. I guess there is. You have. It's not just the AV guy. And we've talked about this. How we speak the different languages within a building. You know, our gear is the only one that's in place to talk to HVAC to talk to. Uh, security to talk to the emergency notifications and stuff like that. Um, we can do it. It's just a matter of now getting past that resistance of everybody who is sitting in their own silo saying, you know what, we don't want your your devices touching ours. Uh, I think that's our first hurdle to get through. Andrea, from a builder's perspective, uh, builders don't build just single houses. They sometimes do development and you know, there's a sort of larger picture there. Um, is there any discussion or interest in that aspect of the sort of tech of home building? Are we looking at people making, you know, long um, uh, suburban neighborhoods <laughs> that they build up, looking to get that buyer's group mentality and have deep learning data to be able to say, we can get you the best price in this community to have energy, and that's an attractor? I think that a lot of multifamily builders are thinking about this. Um, I think at some of the shows that I've been to in the, the past year, they're looking into things like solar first. That's what they're dipping into in a community, um, trying to figure out how much money that's going to save, putting solar on, say, a parking garage and having that light the hallways. 
And I could see maybe collecting that data and seeing how much can be saved, but it really depends. Builders are at all different levels of this right now, but I mean, it's definitely out there that it's not just about electronics anymore. There's a demand there for smart HVAC, smart indoor air quality, smart irrigation, and I think we'd be silly to think that eventually we won't be collecting that data to figure out how to be more efficient. Hmm. Andrew, from the same perspective, um, what are your thoughts on that deep learning data? I mean, we're going to do it in our homes. The Nest was always a concern when people knew that Google was buying it. Now they have our data about everything we do in the house. Well, uh, there are like seven sensors. Who, know, who needs to know how often I use the bathroom? You know, I mean, it kind of gets a little personal, no? Well, uh, Google already knows everything about us. I mean, true, true that. You know, they're listening to this right now. Um, I mean, there's two things. One, we can already access some of that data. We can already talk to all the systems and show it to our clients and be like, hey, this is how much you can save by using all of this stuff, and this is how much you have saved by using all these different smart appliances and thermostats and everything. It's just, it's not easy. It's not simple, and it's not sexy yet. So the average person, their eyes will either gloss over or they don't care. As far as collecting the data, come on, it's 2015. Everybody knows that collection of the data is where all the money is and what everybody's doing with it. That's, you know, so that'll happen because the companies will want the data to do everything from sell you ads to figure out new products or how to build something. Well, and part of the, I guess, the discussion and the concern is you say they're not interested maybe from the, the energy level, but how many times can we then really record in any of these control processors that are on the market, say, well, you've really downloaded those Disney movies a lot. There's no kids <laughs> in that house. Now, who am I to judge? But, right, I mean, <laughs> how finite do we really get it? And what this makes me think of is how often do you recall someone asking for, can you write a time bomb? into a code because someone may not pay their rent or pay something. It sort of gets on that same level of really being intrusive. Yeah. Um, the, well, yes, technically we can collect all of the data and we can look at all of the data, but, so, but if you just want to know how much you're using, there's that uh, watt box that you just plug into an outlet plug in your device and you can see how much energy it's actually drawing. We as integrators can do that directly at your electrical panel and we can actually develop things to make your lighting smarter so that we can see, hey, you know, you seem to use this light a lot. We can tell when you're going to use it and adjust the maximum dim level. We can if we have photo sensors, we can see how bright it is, whether or not you actually need to use that light. Uh, now, you know, I'm not saying we go big brother on everybody on this, but, you know, the chance is there that the technology, if set up correctly, can be smarter than the user and can make lives better. Will it? That's yet to be seen, and like I said, it's still not simple or sexy, so... It's not easy to do yet. All right. Well, we've discussed a number of things about energy on this, but let's turn to something related. But our man, our very own Iron Man here in the United States, Elon Musk, Tesla announced a new battery. It's been sort of brewing for the last couple of days, uh, and uh, people were sort of anticipating what that could be. He claims to have a new battery now that's going to allow you to store energy not just from solar panels, but overnight. Chris, I'm going to throw this to you to start. Boom or bust? Boom. Uh, it will be big. And and this is my only hang-up with solar right now. I have uh, friends of mine that are in the solar industry who do it for the homes. My first question out of it is, I'd love to have solar. Will it work? And here, you know, my first, you know, um, I guess, dumb question into the into the solar uh, panel buy-in is 
if my power goes out, can I rely on solar to help power my house as a backup system? The first question is no. So what if I buy it outright and not do the solar buy programs, which are, you know, you're, you're, you're buying into it, you're sort of giving power to these leasing companies that are, you know, want to take some of the, the power that you're collecting and it'll lower your rate and all that. My first concern when it comes to solar is can I have it? And can I use it when I need it in an emergency situation, such as Sandy or Irene when we were out of power? I would love, you know, there were there were bad days during Sandy, but man, it was nice and sunny right after Sandy. I wish I could uh, have, have harnessed that. That would have been great. But no, and, and the primary reason is the battery technology is not there to do it. So if, if Mr. Tesla, you know, the, the, the guy who can make the cars work right with uh, you know, an all-electric car, if he's saying he can do it, I'm not going to put it past him. Plus, he was an Iron Man, so come on. That's <laughs> no? Exactly. <laughs> well, Andrea. But that's my thing, George. I, I, if I want to do solar, the first thing, I mean, the whole clean side and green side of, of, of what solar brings is I would love that to be my backup system. You know, why can't I have free power? Why can't I just store it? And when I need it, boom, I at least got enough to keep my refrigerators going and, you know, a light or two in my house going. That's, that's all I'm asking for, but the battery technology hasn't been there. At least that's what my friends in the solar business are saying. It would, you would need a room in the house filled with the existing batteries that are on the market today to power that, and they wouldn't be that great to begin with. So right. please improve the batteries. Well, Andrew, I'll throw this to you a little bit because um, – we have often sold backup generators. They're usually mm -hmm. diesel-fueled. Uh, they're attractive to the home buyer for the reasons that Chris Netto said, but would this kind of battery technology actually be more attractive? Would clients see it as greener? I think at this point, the way the market is, they see it as sexy. <laughs> Energy efficiency is sexy right now, and this product, I was surprised. It's called the Powerwall, I believe. They announced it last night. Yeah. Um, we actually have a story on our website, techhomebuilder.com. Uh, so we were obviously very interested in this product ourselves, but it's not that expensive. It's around the $3,000 range, and it's also not that big. And, of course, it's Tesla, so it looks good, and I just think it's a sexier product that's going to appeal to a lot of builders. A lot of builders who are starting to go the solar shingle route, they like things that look good. I, I really think this is going to be a big boom. And what about the fact that this may have the buy-in from the electric companies? Because it's talking a lot about, and their sales were talking about, off-peak demand surplus. So using your power stored to help the grid out when there's a peak power. That, I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll be on board. But, I mean, this is going in the direction of taking people off-grid. So I'm not sure how on board they'll be. But yeah. they've been really good at marketing it. Yes, and, and the reason I asked that though is that because Walmart was involved, and they said that they were working with their local utilities to help in sort of a load shedding during peak hours that they would use their battery backup power, and they're one of the sort of test beds that mm -hmm. Tesla used. And it seems to me that we're either indicating that our utility grid is of substandard quality, or it's just overwhelmed by population growth, and I'm may, or maybe both. Uh, I'm not sure, but. It seems that that would be a benefit to both the electric companies and the people looking to be, quote, off the grid. Maybe. I mean, I think there's, uh, it's definite that our grid seems outdated. Our rates here in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area went up over 20% this year. So that makes a product like this even more appealing in certain markets. Hey, George. Yeah. Just, you know, speaking of the power grid, 60 Minutes recently did uh, an episode regarding our, our country's infrastructure, yeah. and that's one of our biggest ails right now is that we have an old you know, copper wire in infrastructure that's been in place since God knows how long, and they have done nothing for it. I mean, you remember the blackout that we had um, X amount of years ago, or 10, 12 years ago in New York City, where everything is now. You know, they updated a few things. We're not talking about a major... Uh, update to our, our grids and how the power is distributed and, and updating those uh, the, the distribution of it. I think there is a problem as well and there's, there's money that's going to be needed to do that sort of stuff. 
And Andrew, I was going to throw this to you as well because Chris makes a good point. You and I both live in Westchester. Yeah. are both the single wealthiest and some tr somewhat troubled <laughs> county <laughs> in the entire nation, if not at least the entire East Coast to through Ohio. Uh, you live what I described yesterday to you when I was trying to find you in the deep woods of Westchester. <laughs> not yes. quite the mountains. Um, you've seen the brownouts. I've seen them. Do you have a backup system for your house, and would you tend to go this way because you can charge overnight and stuff like that? Well, um, I live in a co-op, so I don't have, yeah. But during Sandy, I use the UPS that my computer is usually on as my backup for recharging my phones and hmm. things because I was actually without power for a week, and I wound up having to stay with my parents because they had power. But I, if I could get solar, I would get this battery. Oh, yeah, this would be fantastic. And, George, I don't know if you've seen it here in Westchester, but there's a new initiative where the towns are going to be able to negotiate for better energy rates. Um, I forget exactly what it is. I know that my co-op is having a meeting Monday to actually discuss this, and I know that our town supervisor is talking about it, and anything that can aid us in lowering energy bills and getting more power into the grid is a good thing because, yeah, the grid everywhere is just bad here in America. And that blackout that we had uh, about 10 years or so here in New York and these guys, that was like the smallest little thing that tripped in Ohio that cascaded. And that's what killed it. You I know, thought it was, it was Canada's fault. Wait a minute. There was, there was something in Canada, right? Well, we blame it on Matt Scott. Exactly where I was going for now. Thank you very much. I know it's always Canada, but let's be nice. <laughs> but it was, like, it was like something in Canada, like some small little thing, and then it cascaded to Ohio, <laughs> and then it just blew out from there. And it was like the tiniest of things that broke. It, it's like... It's like as if one AA battery in your home destroyed your entire house. I mean, bad analogy, but I mean, that's really what it is. That's how bad our grid is. Solar is great. It's always there. The only problem is you need a battery that's built well to store the energy because, you know, unfortunately, the earth moves and the sun doesn't always shine over you. So you need to store that energy for when the sun isn't producing the energy. These batteries, they look good. I think people are going to like them. They are really small. I think they're even smaller than an outboard uh, AC unit that you see at homes. They're not that big. I think this is a winner. I think this is going to take off. And with um, Elon behind it, I think we got a good toy. And I think people do trust. Uh, Chris... There was also mention in the article about utilizing Tesla car batteries that were no longer powerful enough to drive the cars, but using them in these applications. That's sort of a plus, too. Would you be looking to use those as well as sort of a less expensive alternative and being very green, or do you think it would all just be the new batteries? I think it would probably all be the new batteries because uh, I mean you can I'm I'm sure there's a way to recycle the car batteries and to reuse them or repurpose them, but the minute you put car batteries and homeowner in the same question, there's the you know the the image of you know your your local auto parts store with racks of of car batteries stacked in your garage is sort of you know not going to go to that sexy appeal of solar anymore it's going to be sort of uh, kind of kind of funky but you know the the alternative today is the outboard you know uh, the big generator uh, Genelux or whatever that is that goes outside right now that a lot of people in my neighborhood went out and dropped you know um, between five ten thousand dollars on a backup generator that is you know gas powered um, you know natural gas powered and Man, you know, they've gotten better um, over the years, but when one of those goes off, and they do go off every so often because they're recharging their own batteries that are within that system. So at the weirdest times, these things will turn on, and I'm like, wait a minute, is power out? No, it's my neighbor's 
generator going off, recharging their batteries, just in case the power does go out at some day. Um, so that's that's what we have right now as an alternative. I mean, granted, they wouldn't trade that for anything in the world right now because they will constantly have power, you know. But solar, quiet, clean, yeah, this could be big. No, George, can I just uh, respond on that? Jump in. Yeah, um, I don't see a problem with recycling the old car batteries from the Tesla cars. I mean, obviously, you just repackage them into the sexy shell, but if they're no longer good enough for running the car, but they can still provide energy at some point for the grid or for my home, and you can put them in that sexy little shell, sure, I mean, let's recycle them, let's keep it going, because makes sense, and if they're still working, why toss them? You know, they still can serve a purpose and still help. So, I think, yeah, if you tell them, oh, it's a car battery, yeah, a homeowner's still thinking, you know, a typical, you know, car battery, but if you tell them it's a recycled battery, you know, they might be happier with it. And if it's got the same, you know, white packaging that they're showing, nobody's going to know. It's not ugly. Well, and it's also coming from the makers of a sexy electric car. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's your choice was a Musk. freaky three-wheeled, you know, wacky-looking Prius. You know, they made the electric car that people want to drive. Yeah. Well, so, my, my question maybe is... Maybe they name are the batteries being used up because of the insane button? That's my question. <laughs> I love those videos. Andrew, I'm going to have you uh, sort of wrap this one up for us, this topic. Would that be a value-added item that you could sell as a, as, a, as a construction builder, as a home builder, saying these are green, recycled, you're not buying new, you're not putting something bad back into the environment, it's already there and you're reusing them? Is that I a think yeah, I mean, I think the word recycle itself has become sexy in the past couple years. Um, and I also don't think using the old car batteries, as long as you packaged it properly, I think people would buy into it. Plus, women love Elon Musk anyway, so that's a plus. <laughs> Besides that, I mean, the only problem is right now is a lot of builders are hesitant to put stuff like this into their base package. So it ends up being an add-on. So say you have the solar panels, that's a $12,500 add-on, then you got the battery, that's an extra $3,000. So as long as you have a homeowner who has a certain budget, yeah, I think it's a great sell. But for the typical high-volume builder, maybe not right now, but maybe soon. Sorry, had a little image. So what we're saying is basically, leave it to Elon Musk to bring sexy back to recycling. Exactly. Uh, I think I may just have the show title there. I think so. Uh, and it's it's really fitting that you brought up Justin Timberlake today. I don't know if you guys saw that meme going around. It's going to be May. I love that. So. I haven't yet to see that one yet. but you know, I You'll have know. to Google it. Did I bring up Justin Timberlake? I don't recall saying that. But, oh, the sexy. The sexy. Uh, my wife would be very proud. All I have to do is have a One Direction thing. She would really be proud of me. Chris Hawkins is loving out. this. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> I just can't see George doing the sexy back dance. It's going to happen, son. Come on. Let's get viewership up. Oh, Do the sexy God. back dance. <laughs> the running man for us. Get this, get this going. I think we're going to be adding it to the underwriter package, aren't we? That would be interesting. Moving along, I'm going to some people grief and some people joy all at the same time. Why? Because Verizon, if you remember, was offering a package that lets you decide. Some were calling it the sports-free cable package, uh, basically premised on the fact that, as most of us may or you may know, that an enormous portion of our cable bill is, well, ESPN. <laughs> You're paying for it whether you watch it or not. They get the most money. And Verizon basically said, well, they were going to give us what we wanted, which we're calling a la carte. Right? For years we've called it a la carte. Andrew, do you think that ESPN and its vitriol and its legal action to stop this is really just a contract? Or to paraphrase um, 
Blazing Saddles. Gentlemen, we have to save our phony baloney jobs. They got to save their phony baloney <laughs> jobs. I mean, a lot of the cable packages, the telecom industry, everything, it's just uh, <laughs> trying to put this politically correct and yes. clean. Uh, clean is the big part, yes. Yeah. Please, none. <laughs> they, yeah, it. their contracts basically state, you know, you can have all of these channels or you can have none of them and we will take our ball and go home whenever we want. And, you know, we will pass our charges on to you, the customer. And... I know that the a la carte thing was, ever since Fios started, that was the rumor that was going around. That's what they wanted to do, was say, you know, nobody wants the Weather Channel, really. Nobody, unless you're really into sports, you know, like you are, George, with hockey and everything, you know. You know, unless you're really, really into sports, nobody watches 27 channels of ESPN. Not even the Ocho when they've got the dodgeball championships. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> The Ocho. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think, yeah, I don't, I'm not well, a sports guy, so well, I don't okay. much. So yeah. Chris, besides me knowing that you're probably going to say something akin to if you can dodge wrenches, you can dodge ball, do you think that there's really, is ESPN being short-sighted here in that if I don't want to buy a sports package, there's plenty of other sports fans that will pay just a little extra for, say, just sports and local news? No. <laughs> we talking to George? Talking to me? Or... That's <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you went back to Andrew. Well, um, well, well actually, um, didn't Directv prove that? By how? Uh, the NFL package, the Masters package, all of those packages that they have. I mean, Directv has proven that sports fans who really, really, really want to watch sports or watch a specific sport will pay for those extra packages. I've had clients who have gone insane because their DirecTV has gone out, and I've had to find a solution so that they can watch their football. Or I had 48 hours once to get some way for a client to watch the Masters coverage that DirecTV had a few years ago because they were doing similar to the NFL coverage where it's uh, eight channels or something, and uh, one master channel showing eight different things at once. People who love the sports will pay for it and will go for it. So I think ESPN may be short-sighted and everything, and they're just, they don't care. They just, you know, want money, and that's it. The alternative to this is that you buy the season ticket to go see your favorite sports game. And that, unfortunately, is out of the reach for the average blue-collar person nowadays, where now you have PSL licenses, you know, these personal seat licenses that you have to buy into. So before you even touch the actual price of a season ticket, you have to drop ten grand on that seat, you know, or two seats. Um, I got a call about, um, you know, getting season tickets because I am a football fan. I'm not going to say which team, uh, but... You know, or, or 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 who made this call? But my my name came up in 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 the lottery system and said, "All right, you're you've been on the you've been on the wait list. Do you want to buy tickets to this uh, sports team's um, uh, season tickets?" I said, "That'd be great. How much?" Well, first, you know, we have seats here, here, and here, and this one will cost you three thousand dollars a seat. This one will cost you five thousand, and then you can go for this one for ten thousand. I said ten thousand for the for the year. Like no, that's just for the license, and then you pay for the ticket. And then when it was all said and done, I dropped twenty grand because I wanted two seats next to each other. Okay, and they weren't even guaranteeing me that I can get the two seats next to each other. So yeah, get me Directv and one hundred thirty-five dollars for the year, and I'll just watch whatever I want when I want. I'll rewind it. You know, yeah, the Directv thing works. As far as this article goes, uh, with with ESPN. Um, this again is just another way for you know the man to stick it to us. This is just uh, you know we move two steps forward and we take five steps back. We're getting there with the technology, with the broadband. To you know we're there. Excuse me, not we're not getting there, but 
you know, you can buy the packages even from your computer to watch anywhere, anytime, any place. I think what HBO did recently, where you know they're now offering their HBO Go, and you don't have to be an HBO subscriber. I think that's huge, in the sense that now I don't have to necessarily dive into a commitment with my with my cable provider anymore with HBO. I can just buy it on this HBO Go idea. I use it when I want. I grab what I want out of it, whether it's Game of Thrones or or reruns of The Sopranos or whatever that they're showing up. Because I don't even have HBO anymore, but I, I like that idea. I love the idea of, of a la carte. But again, George, things that we love as the consumer is what they're going to take away from you, or they're going to charge you to the point where your nose is going to bleed. So there we go. Well, Just you know, bad move on ESPN's part. You know, it's it's like you said. It's one of the reasons why, as a um a multi-year uh, as a season pass or season ticket holder with the New York Rangers, I no longer was one because of how expensive it was, and I couldn't afford to take myself, let alone any of my kids. Yes. Um, and it's why I'm a cord cutter. I have no more subscriptions there because I just didn't want to pay for it. Uh, but something I do want to subscribe to, and I've really become fascinated with, <laughs> of course, is Andrea at Tech Home Builder and Tech Home Builder's website itself. Uh, Andrea, you're here also not just as a very informative panelist, but to help us start off something we're calling the publications or periodical perspective. Sure. Uh, something that we want to see specific periodicals will be on every show, one each, different one each week of the month, to tell us what's really happening and what their readers are very interested in or they're sort of really chattering about uh, in that industry. You come from the construction and home builders uh, audience who are looking mm -hmm. into using tech to sell. So... Let's tell the audience a little bit about Tech Home Builder, and then you have about three or four stories you want us to know that your readers are really interested in. Sure, definitely. First of all, loved your segue. Everyone should go to techhomebuilder.com and click subscribe on the top right-hand corner. Um, we do put out a weekly newsletter for builders and integrators and manufacturers every Tuesday. So if you subscribe, you'll just get a link to some of our stories that we put out that week. And you can, of course, always go to our website to check out some stories, too. Um, we have an editorial staff, and I'm part of the editorial staff, but we also put several events on throughout the year. Um, and that's what this first story is about that we're going to talk about. It's my top plays from the Tech Home Builder Summit, Think Sports Center. So here at Tech Home Builder, we've just introduced the multimedia side to our company, and that's why they brought me on. I'm a former news reporter, so I do kind of the video. I track some pieces, put little packages together, and at the top there, you can see on your screen a video we put together at the Tech Home Builder Summit. Now, at that summit, uh, basically what we do is we bring what we call 100 decision makers together. Those are builders. We bring them together with integrators, like a lot of you guys, and also manufacturers. The big thing out there is there's so much tech out there, and a lot of the builders aren't sure what platform, what products to use. There are hundreds of them out there. So what we do at our summits is we kind of bring everyone together in a small space. It's not like a trade show. It's a smaller summit. So we talk to these builders. They get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with integrators, with manufacturers, trying to figure out what's the best product, what's the best platform for them. And we also talk about a lot of ideas in the industry, like some things that came out during this event is millennials and boomers and how to tap into that market and the personalization, which comes right off of uh, what Verizon is doing. A lot of millennials want personalization. I think about 38% of millennials have tattoos. So they want their home, they want their technology, they want everything personalized. So some trends like that come out at our summits. Now on the editorial side, we write about a lot of these trends. We write about a lot of success stories. Um, we had Lenar's Emily Frager redefining the role of the builder. We talked a little bit earlier about how these builders, they are for professionally installed products, a lot of them now, because they've been burned so many times, and they're on the hook for these products. So we talk about trends like that. Uh, Emily kind of talked about how builders can't rely on you know, retail anymore. They have to get educated and become the retailer themselves. Um, so we also have a story on our website about that. And now another uh, kind of bucket, we call it, is 
an opportunity for you integrators out there to send us really cool projects that you're working on. I'm not sure if we can pull up the uh, Arkansas American Dream Home. Um, it's a really cool home that we showcased. Um, it uses the Elon system, completely integrated home, uh, really cool pictures. And we get a lot of hits on stories like that, a lot of clicks. So any integrators who are out there and would like to showcase a really cool product they're working on that they think builders could learn from, we're always looking for people. Another thing that we've been working on, we're launching a few other newsletters uh, at the end of this month to the beginning of next month. We're going to have a luxury newsletter, um, a contractor newsletter, multifamily production. We're kind of breaking them all up on top of our typical insights newsletter. We're talking about uh, one of our stories is an elite builder integrator relationship. So a lot of the builders we've talked to recently say that they've started to bring the integrator in earlier in the process, kind of in the design part of the process, because they find that that informs the consumer earlier on and they have less problems down the road. So we've done a couple different stories on that, and we also have a story coming out in the luxury newsletter. I don't have a link to this one, but it's called Building Bonds, Not Just Buildings, and it's about the trust that builders, integrators, architects, the trust that's built between them to kind of work with each other and satisfy the consumer. So we talk a lot about that sort of thing, and I can open it up for discussion if anyone has any questions. Well, first of all, I want to say that I was just schooled by a real pro on how to deliver content. That was just <laughs> a thing of beauty. Um, I'm a hack. So, uh, gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, any any thoughts on this? I, I'm a, I'm in, a, incredibly intrigued by the builder integrator relationship thing. We've seen some programs like this from the manufacturing side, uh, the AMX Crestrons and and others in the world saying, "Hey, let's bring together dealers with people we know are in this circle." Uh, Andrew, you've been just got you just got back from Crestron, uh, a big meeting at Crestron. Uh, I forget which what, what it was called, but it was the big party. Uh, they used to do this. What do you think about doing something like that? Like being involved in I don't want to say it's a buyer's group, but really getting in deep with the contractors and builders. Well, we are in with you know several architects and builders already, and we do a lot of work for a lot of big developers and things in the city where our market is. And the better the relationship with the builder or the architect or the designer, the better because, you know, somebody needs a new sink, they call a plumber. Somebody has a problem with a light fixture, they call an electrician. Somebody needs a TV or a stereo, they go to Best Buy. You know, it's hard at all levels, you know, from the basic all the way up to what we do for people to really understand that there is a specialist out there. So we try to work hard in our company with developers, builders, uh, and designers and architects to form really good relationships so that we are brought in on projects. It's something that you have to do because otherwise people don't really know about us, our industry, or what we do otherwise. And it's not the first thing on their mind when they think of TV or music or, you know, anything. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll edit that out. Yep. Hey, Chris, I'm going to go to you on this. Um, so you're in the commercial side. This has an application on the commercial side. I know you're part of certain things like this, but this is beyond a manufacturer, this is an industry group basically saying, hey, let's really talk. Uh, are we missing that? And, and what more can we do to bring all of us together? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely could see some positives in this. Um, you know, anytime that you can have, you know, a, a forum um, or a seat at the table to talk to the people that are out there, uh, it, I find to be a, a huge plus. You know, in this case, um, for what tech home builders do, and you know they're bringing in the builders, and now we're going out and finding the technology people, and bringing them to that table, sitting them across, and 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 letting that conversation happen. Um, I don't think those conversations would have been happening had there not been that initiative. 
uh, yes, the the AV guy uh, or the AV company that's there would love to have a conversation with the builders. It's just that when it when the tables are flopped that way, they don't want to hear about you know home theater. But if they're asking about home theater, if they're asking about the smart home on the integrate uh, on the builder side, there's the opportunity that we have to speak uh, because I've seen I've seen that happen with. Um, with integrators or, or, or smaller integrators that have gone to builders and say, hey, you know, who's doing your, who, who does your wiring? Oh, my electrician does the wiring. Yeah, but who does the wiring for AV? Oh, well, we don't worry about that. You know, that's, we let that be something of the homeowners. Or, you know, the worst thing that can come out of this is that they're going to turn and say, you know what, go talk to Geek Squad. You know, Geek Squad will sell you the TV, but they're not going to, Put together the place, you know, the whole plan in place. Uh, as far as if you want to go to smart home, if you know, what type of cabling are you going to need in your house? You know, I, I'm I'm putting myself in that mindset of you know of the of the residential mindset. I don't think those conversations are happening if it wasn't for forums like this. So it's a positive. Well, you know what also brings people together? Free libations and parties. Right? I mean, come on. Am I am I wrong or am I right? Hey, I'm right. Everyone has a great time. I will say that. Well, the reason I, I segue into this is, is there footage Chris? to prove that. <laughs> um, footage to prove that, and we, of you even, we have um, we have an event coming up, Infocom, and we have a lot going on there for AB Nation. You have some stuff brewing for that. You want to take a moment to uh, give us a little details, drop a little rumor. Sure. Um, what we got going on, or what is coming up, you have Infocom, which is the, the big show for our uh, industry, uh, for those that are, 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 are new to the industry or never heard of it. It is, it is the show. It's the big show. It's our Super Bowl, if you will. The uh, one time a year, uh, that, and, and, it's, and, and, and you can go, uh, and you're not going to get hit with a PSL to go to it. Um, <laughs> it's the one time a year you obviously can get together get your training, get all your uh, manufacturers in one place for the most part and do all that sort of stuff. So that, that's Infocom in a nutshell. Now what AV Nation is doing is is that uh, we got a bunch of events. We are, uh, you know, obviously one of our, our, our bigger things is that we put together the suite up. So we, as of today, we have over 125 people signed up. Uh, these are obviously, these are all the AV people that are uh, on the social media front online on the internet. And, um, you know, 125, and it's 40-something days out. Uh, we may break our record from last year of 172 people showing up. Uh, that was pretty impressive, so uh, fingers crossed for that. Uh, we have um, begun the inner work, the, the inner, I guess, um, musings, I guess would be it. No, we're doing the AV selfie. How's that? Okay, last year the AV selfie became popular. Uh, it was a good way for the uh, both the people that were attending the shows, the manufacturers that were at the shows, at, just to be you know connect and be part of it. And then we take those pictures, drop them into the song. I, we we we've had conversations already between with Phil uh, Cordell, Mr. Hi-Fi, and uh, we're definitely doing a brand new mix. We definitely have a new video coming out, uh, and where that will be debuting. That's the big mystery, but uh, those are definitely two big things that we got going on as far as AV Nation goes. We have our hashtags game, which will be uh, played throughout that week. And there's a few surprises that we have to keep under wraps for now for fear of, uh, you know, copycat laws and stuff like that. So we're just going to we're, we're gonna try to keep those quiet for now. But, uh, you know, we're 40 days out. This now starts our, uh, you know, th th this now starts our, our playoffs for the big game. So... We're excited. We're you know we're getting our stuff together. Yes, indeed, and there'll be lots of sh uh, shenanigans, and it's going to be a lot of fun as well. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to look forward to it, <laughs> and I meant that the way I said it. But Chris, <laughs> that that was one Chris Netto. He is a consultant in the AV industry. What else, Chris? Where else can people find you, reach you, see things about you? You can find out about my company uh, that I work for, which is AV Help Desk. We're a design consultant. We're based out of Boston, but I am the uh, New York, New Jersey uh, version or rep. Um, my uh, company's website is abhelpdesk.com. You can find me online. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, look up Christopher Netto. You'll find me there. Or you can find me on Twitter, 
for a good part of the day, if not night and 24-7. I'm usually uh, reachable there, and that's at Chris underscore Neto. And uh, you can find me with the fine gentlemen and uh, ladies of AV Nation anytime just by uh, pinging the website. Cool. And also, it was a great pleasure to have on Andrew Worshburn, born. I'm going to massacre your name for the rest of my life. Yeah. I just can't say it worse. I don't know. It makes me think I'm in Arkansas. I don't know. <laughs> Andrew, you are from Video Installation Plus. You are my neighbor. Where else can people find out about you, your company, and the goings on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't actually have a social media presence or anything. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. They're going to have to call you physically. Yeah. They go. actually have to contact us. Or uh, We're doing it old school. We are word of mouth and... Uh, just our name and people who know us, uh, yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying Mercury switches. Then you're going Mercury. <laughs> totally. Switches, um, I am cool. suggesting that uh, record players and Mercury switches and those two-button push button for switches. Next job we do. Totally. I'm going to suggest those, that. And those old IBM M80 keyboards. Want to make the clicky sounds with the springs? That's I love those actually. <laughs> you and yes. I, we're going to corner the market. I actually have a new modern keyboard that has clicky sounds. That's right, and they make them in Massachusetts, right, under license from the old IBM guys, so... No, nah, mine is a gaming keyboard, but yeah. Uh, okay. But it's actually... There you go. <laughs> but, course, last but not least, and greatly entertained and helpful with us today is Andrea Medeiros. Andrea, thank you so much for being on. Where else can they find you besides Tech Home Builder? Uh, we're all over the place. You can go to our website, techhomebuilder.com. You can click on Meet the Editors. You can get my email there. It would be too hard to smell by name to you right now. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Andrea A. Medeiros. I'm on LinkedIn. You can also catch me on Facebook under Tech Home Builder. We have a page there. I also have a professional, one of those personality pages. It's called Andrea Medeiros Tech Home. So you can find me on any one of those social media sites. I'm always connected. And you do a Twitter thing for Tech Home, a chat. Yes, we do a tweet chat every Thursday at 3 o'clock. We're always looking for industry professionals to weigh in. We talked about saving water this week. We talked about tiny homes last week. Um, we talked about controlling your smart home from the top of Everest the week before. Uh, so we do a lot of different topics, and we're always looking for people to be a part of that. It's called hashtag tech home talk. So you can That's follow us every Thursday or get involved in it. We would love to have you. Cool. And we'll include that on the show notes. Thank you so Perfect. much. I, of course, am George Tucker. You can find me anywhere on social media under Tucker Twos on Aviation and in Commercial Integrator, EH Pubs, uh, where my articles reside. This has been a presentation of AV Nation. You can find this show and many more about the AV integration industry from uh, Pico Projection Systems, the live life about event staging, there's EdTech, there's the state of control about the programming side. All of them have new shows, including a show on social media for small market AV firms, uh, actually featuring one Mr. Chris Netto, Don Mead, uh, Kelly, and a couple of other people that I don't remember the names of, but uh, Chris, help me out. Where are they from? Was, uh, you're talking about Jane Johnson from Pivot Communications was on yes. AV Social. And they're talking about gamification and how you can do it at any level. So tune in there, avnation.tv. See that and many more. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.